Hey watchers, today's episode launches us into season 2 of the show, and we thought what better way to do that than with a notorious interplanetary cult classic. So bring your ray gun, strap on your sword, and grab your football, cause it's time for 1980's Flash Gordon. Welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the show where we discuss classic, cult, and modern classic movies. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Josh Baruto, and we review movies that are at least 10 years old. Fair warning, we're big on spoilers here, straight from the get-go. We rate these movies in four categories. Number one, the level of impact and success it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of this movie. And number four, is it a Midnight Watch? What is a Midnight Watch? It's a film which completely captures your attention, drawing you in. No matter what time or what part you start watching the movie, you have to finish it. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's been almost two months since we last put up a new podcast, and we're excited to get back into it, aren't we? Yes, absolutely. It's I can't believe it's been two. I mean, almost two and a half months, I think. Yeah, originally we were going to come back in January, but um, due to my daughter being born and just having too much fun staying at home, I watched a lot of movies <laughs> while I was I was home from work for almost seven weeks. And Did just, you say you actually like finished your Netflix uh, yeah, list? Yeah, I, I like knocked out the Netflix queue. Yeah, so the, the only queue? thing I, yeah. the only thing I had in there was like Peaky Blinders, which and I was I was, you didn't watch Peaky Blinders? No, I haven't been. <laughs> No, not yet. Like, there's too much good TV out right now. It's like all golden television. And then my (laughs) father-in-law, he was like, hey, check out HBO Max. And that's a whole other bag there. So I have, like, tons of stuff that I was watching on that. But, yeah. So, anyways, we decided to um, wait a couple weeks to to drop our first episode. So that way we could come back really strong and have some solid, solid shows for you guys. So once we hit the ground, we could hit the ground running. Absolutely, and hopefully everybody noticed the uh, the new logo that we put out. Yes, drawn by myself. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> drawn by somebody with a lot of talent, who we paid good money. To. Good, good American <laughs> cash. Good American cash. <laughs> and one other thing that we'd like to mention, which we kind of haven't done very well, at least at the at the beginning of our episodes, is uh, please subscribe, please uh, rate us, please review. Uh, especially on Apple Podcasts, that one, for whatever reason, seems to be the the benchmark on getting reviews for your podcast. So if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please, we'd love some some reviews. That would be very helpful. We would love some love. So thank you guys so much already, though, for your support from last year. This year, I'm so excited. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty dope, man. We got lots of good stuff coming up that we're not right. gonna tell you about because we're still putting <laughs> still putting it together. But we're super right. excited. I will say this though. So we have our first uh, interview actually next week with our independent filmmaker Alden Olmsted, and so that one's gonna be kicking off several interviews that we're gonna have throughout the year. Maybe do some crossover podcast with other podcasts. And I'm already telling you some of the stuff I said I wasn't gonna tell you. I'm so excited. So, yeah, that's that's how excited we are. We cannot keep the cat in the bag. Absolutely. So it's out. yeah, we're excited. We're about to throw up some new tattoo ideas too for the. the no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where I was going with that. Yeah. It sounded better in my head. It's been two months. Okay. 
We're a little rusty. Just so a we'll little get, bit. We'll, we're hitting the ground running, but it's, you know, the wheels are squeaky. We're, we're getting it going. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, yeah. <laughs> I just mixed my metaphors there. <laughs> we're, we're hitting the ground running, but our shoes are untied. <laughs> hitting the ground when <laughs> running when there's squeaky wheels. <laughs> our wheels are running. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, let's jump into it. Uh, did you want to say anything else it. before we do? Nope. I'm ready, man. I've been waiting. I've been waiting two and a half months to do this. Two and a half months. Okay. Coming back in a flash. That's right. Flash Gordon. This is the first movie for this year. It came out in 1980, directed by Mike Hodges. Screenplay screenplay by Lorenzo Semple. The score was by Queen, and the budget was $35 million. The budget or the box office was $27 million. So this was not really a hit. Um, no. let, me, let me read off the cast real quick. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Uh, so we got Sam T- J- Sam J. Jones, Brian Blessed, I should have read these before I recorded this, Ornella Moody, Max Von Sydow, Melody Anderson, Timothy Dalton, right. Topol, Peter Weingard, and Richard O'Brien, who I think is most famous for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Josh, where were you the first time you saw this movie? <laughs> Well, Jeremy, I'm glad you asked. Where and when? We, where and when? Uh, I probably watched this movie, uh, man, it's probably been six or seven years ago. Once again, it was with my old my old movie club, the Sacramento International Film Society. Mm. Just a bunch of work friends, and we would watch movies together on Sundays in between working. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I forget what the theme was that day. It might have just been uh, old sci-fi or something like that i'm not sure but we we watched it and it was uh it was very enjoyable as a as a group movie for sure i could totally see that absolutely um first time i watched this last night it was last really i've never i have never seen this movie um it's really it's one of those movies that is like directly in my wheelhouse and i just i just never saw it like um i don't think any of my friends have seen this movie either I'm not wow. sure. Yeah, it just. But you definitely you you had known about this movie forever. I'm sure. Oh yeah, no, at least for the last 15 years. I just. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then of course, I'll, I'll say right off the top of the bat, right off the bat at the top. Wow. Well, <laughs> right rusty. off the bottom of the bat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna mix and match all day today. Apparently. Mix mix metaphors all mix the metaphors. whole episode if we can. I'm not Every time gonna... we mix a metaphor, everybody take a drink. Take a drink. <laughs> or anytime we say Maverick. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> How many beers have you had already? <laughs> oh man, no, it's not beer, it's a sleep deprivation. I just had a kid. Oh, that's right. You have a you have a very small child in the house. Yes. I remember those. Awesome. I remember those days. The salad the, the post salad days, I guess. Anyways. <laughs> Best part about this movie for me personally, hands down, is the soundtrack. It's a killer soundtrack by Queen. Absolutely. I think it's predominantly one of the best soundtracks by a rock band ever done. It's just so good, and right. I think it's better than a lot of the stuff Queen put out in the 80s. It's just, it's really, really good. Yeah, it's very solid. And it's, I mean, it was one of the first ones, too. I think The Who's Tommy might have been officially the first movie to have, you know, the band... Well, that's that's a special situation, but it right. was a rock band that did this, the you know the music for the movie, which right. was a movie of their album. But anyways, I think yeah, I this, think that falls under a little bit different category, right? But I think technically that was still the first. But this one for sure, you know, having something unrelated to the band and they just wrote music for the movie. Yes, I mean the the theme song, so good. Like I literally, right. 
been listening to it all day. Anytime I like take a break, then I'm just like flash. Uh, and they're like, <laughs> it's pretty great because my coworkers have no idea what I'm doing, but they're right. used to it well, by now. Right. If they've seen the movie Ted, then they might be familiar with it because they, uh, yeah. they use the heck out of it there, which was a big part of the plot too, which is pretty sweet. And I think that's like one of the only other movies that Sam Jones is in. He's, his career did not go anywhere big wise. And big, yeah. Yeah. He was in plenty of other stuff, but nothing terribly noteworthy that i'm aware of right please comment if you're a huge uh sam jones fan blow us up on our how much we're not honoring tell us how wrong we are yeah yes please i don't know if anybody says sam jones is the goat but if somebody does (laughs) let us know there's Uh, a sam jones super fan out there that's true this i also that's not his mom He's pretty old. I don't know if his mom's alive. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's a little dark. <laughs> anyways. <Well. laughs> sorry, Sam's mom. Yeah, so anyways, with this right here, there's so much to talk about. This This is definitely the, the definition of a cult classic. I can totally Absolutely. see this movie bombed when it first came out, and then it's it's grown such a cult following. I mean, obviously, Ted, uh, that movie, like the writers of that movie, Seth MacFarlane, are big fans of Flash, and so that was right. really cool. They got to actually kind of do that stuff. I think it was, was it Edgar Wright? The director Edgar Wright? I think he said this is his favorite movie of all time. Was it him? No, that was in Raising Arizona, which is uh, happens to be our next episode. What? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> How'd we slip that in there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, okay, let's jump in. Let's get some information here so actually yes. it's funny pink floyd was originally the first choice to be to do the music for this but then mm. they i can't remember if they turned it down or somebody else turned it down and then they they asked queen if they wanted to do it and queen was super excited they were like absolutely because if you listen to some of the lyrics from their albums they're like not popular super popular songs they're totally into like fantasy and different mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, they're they're just as weird as Rush. So it's pretty cool Like that it totally made sense. I didn't realize they did the entire soundtrack. I thought they just did the theme song. So Oh, yeah. Other than the um like orchestral scoring, they brought in a, you know, a Oh, that was by Howard or, Blake who did that. Yes. They brought him in for that, but as far as all the other, I mean, the the synth stuff and then the actual, you know, any of the songs, actual yeah. songs and obviously all that sweet electric guitar. Man, Brian May's Man. Guitar tone on this album was so rocking. It was just oh, that oh. chunky, basically seventies kind of distortion. But yeah, I loved it. Let me do some info dumping real quick, and then when then we'll right. get into discussing this. One one name that you may not associate with this movie, but actually dramatically influenced it is George Lucas. George Lucas was a huge fan of the nineteen thirties serials, and that clearly you can see that in Star Wars because Star Wars is. Is a direct homage to like John Carter, Dune. Yep. Hmm? Oh yeah, yeah, Dune. He even got yeah. He got I forgot he got accused of ripping off Dune, which but let's face it, he did. And he did. Yeah, and then it's, it's a it's a popcorn version or sorry, a bubblegum version of Dune, which is funny. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it right. is. <laughs> so Star Wars is that version of Dune, and then Flash Gordon is that version of Star Wars because there's like no story in this movie, um, and it's very. <laughs> It's very much 1930s. Like they definitely yes. make it like like a 1930s movie. But then it's weird though. It's 1930s, and then they ramp up the sexuality in it. <laughs> and so it's big time. It's, I know. I couldn't believe how overtly w- sexual certain parts of the movie were. I'm like, 
Yeah. This is PG. <laughs> I was like, I was like feeling awkward because I was like, it's super campy. And then all of a sudden it's really sensual. And I'm like, oh, wait, okay, guys, like choose what you're, what you're going with. Figure right. out what's the mood. And that, that was a problem I had with this movie was actually the, the, the pacing. And then the mood of the movie kept flipping back and forth. I felt like they didn't really land into a solid pacing until like the last 20 minutes of the movie, unfortunately. Right. But, okay. oh, but I do got to, I do got to interject. Surprisingly, Roger Ebert actually had a favorable review of this movie. Which well, shocked me. Roger I think Ebert because though, he, he kind of got it. He kind of got what it was. Right. As far as it's it's totally a tribute to these old serials. It's a little funny. He just enjoyed it for being a fun ride. It wasn't he didn't wasn't expecting it to be mind blowing special effects like Star Wars, which was you know just a f- couple years before. Right. So he he took it for what it was and enjoyed the old old school effects. You know, especially at the time. Yeah. Oh, I. Okay, I gotta wait on that. But this, we'll talk about Wait, the we so we're so excited. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Here. <laughs> okay. So, um, so George Lucas actually was trying to get the rights to make a Flash Gordon movie, and he wasn't able to get the rights because he was still pretty much unknown. Because he had done THX 1138, and then he did American Graffiti, which was uh, decently received. And so that since he couldn't get the rights, then he just wrote Star Wars um, instead, and then that just took off, and it was obviously a massive hit, the number one movie period when it came out it was a huge hit and so which is funny then because then they were like oh we've got this flash gordon character that george lucas was all about so then they decided hey let's make them let's actually make the movie so without george lucas making star wars they wouldn't have never made flash gordon which is which is kind of interesting also too i I was trying to read like where it is but there was like eight different directors that they went through this movie went through a lot of issues being made and you unfortunately you can tell that when you're watching you're watching the movie there's a lot of issues there's two different types of crews there was an american crew and italian crew and they couldn't communicate with each other very well so the american crew knew that it was being corny and the Italian crew thought that it was being shot serious. And so right. it's like that, that, that weird flux. What's back your and problem? Forth. Why are you always <laughs> laughing? <laughs> you Americans, he was an idiot. Um, right. <laughs> you stupid American. Which is kind of funny though. Cause I was thinking like Sergey Leone, like when he's yes, making I his movies, believe, like, but he, he was, I can't believe he was approached to make this movie. They tried to get him. Right. Absolutely. But with his movies, though, he always worked with an international um, crew. Like, he'd have plenty of different people speaking different languages, and he made masterpieces. So, right. Pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Director Mike Hodges referred to the production problems that plagued the film. He's called it the mo- the only improvised $27 million movie ever made. So, <laughs> they didn't know how to end this movie. Like, right. they, they literally, like, went to end it, and they didn't know what to do. And so, then Sam... He just jumped and he was like, yay. And that, that's the whole famous like, <laughs> yeah, thing. And he just right. improvised that. He also did all of his choreography and all of his own stunts, which you, you can really tell that sometimes. Wow. So, <laughs> like, I gave him props for doing that, but the choreography right. was not that good. But at the same time, man, my, my hands are so tied on this movie. Like, I'm so conflicted with this. Okay, let me drop just a little bit more info. All right. Let's see here. Yeah, one thing I thought was interesting was producer Dino De Laurentiis. He wanted Kurt Russell to play Flash Gordon, which at this time Kurt Russell was not um, known as an action star. That wasn't until the next year when Escape from New York came out. Right. Um, which hey, somebody reviewed that last year. They should check it out. You know? They did. Yes. Yeah. If you'd uh, like to check out Escape and from New York, episode four. I don't remember episode four. four. There. Oh man, I'm glad somebody did their homework. <laughs> I did. I did. I was there. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But yeah, so anyways, they, Kurt Russell though turned it down because he thought the character lacked personality, which is a hundred percent right. Yes. <laughs> um, and <laughs> let's see here. Oh, Brian Blessed, who played Volt Prince <laughs> Voltan. Anyways, <laughs> Vince Voltan. <laughs> um, anyways, he was a huge fan of Flash Gordon, like growing up, and that character Voltan was his favorite character. So that was kind of like a dream come true for him to do that, which. That's pretty awesome. That reminds me of uh, Mortal Kombat with Christopher Lambert playing Raiden, where he's just a big fan. Oh, uh, yeah. So right. that, that made the movie a little bit more special. I, I didn't uh, know speaking this. Speaking of, there's, we also covered Mortal Kombat last year. Episode one. Episode one. Yes. Check that it's out, probably, too. It's probably pretty rough to listen to, but give it a listen anyways. Yeah. Click on it as many times as you want. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> but one thing I, I was surprised and finally realized that Max von Sydow, I thought was like this serious... Um, Academy Award Distinguished Actor, and he's a really good actor, but I didn't realize he's in so many different sci-fi movies. Like, the guy Mm -hmm. who actually, rest in peace, he passed away last year. He was 90 years old. I didn't know that. So, but he he never retired. He acted literally up until he he passed away. Wow. That dude was a legend. He had so many different roles from, I mean, he was in Star Wars, Strange Brew. Like, you look at almost any sci-fi movie back in the 80s, and there's a 50% 50% chance he was in it at some part. Even in the 2000s when we uh, covered... Minority Report. Minority Report. Yeah. yeah. Episode three? Three. Man, this there is a throwback episode. This is a retro we're episode just, to our we're just, episodes. We're, plug- we're plugging season one here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one last thing about trivia before we just dive into it was the screen player, Lorenzo Simple... He was pressured, actually, to make the movie funny, even though he wanted to actually make it serious because he liked the character. And I, to be honest, I, I think it would have been a much better movie if they made it serious. Yeah. I, I just think that they probably would have picked a different actor to play Flash Gordon, or they would have just given him something to do. He really didn't have a lot to do. I can't even comment on his acting because the dialogue was so bad. Like, it was just, right. you can't fault him for that. But I agree. Yeah, but anyways, the screenwriter was pressured to make the film funny. And so there's different jokes that I couldn't tell if they were trying to be funny or if it was just funny. And then right. like there were some jokes where I'm like, oh, that's actually like a, that's actually like a legit joke. Like when he runs into the his girlfriend at the end and he's like she says something and he's like, Yeah, we'll tell this story to our kids and she's like, Oh, I accept and then he gets in the <laughs> fight right afterwards and she's like, Don't die, I just got engaged. Like that's right. that's obviously supposed to be funny, but that's like literally one of the only jokes where I was like, That's actually supposed to be a joke. Like, don't get me wrong, I laughed really hard at this movie. There were sure. several times where I just I was laughing really hard at this movie. Oh, and then uh, one more thing, too, about this. Man, one more, one more. So there's a little bit of controversy about this film. Um, Sam Jones was actually, um, they were, a lot of the different people were actually signed up to make two more movies because this was supposed to be the next big blockbuster. Right. And so when it bombed, then, of course, their contracts were broken. And so he was really mad at the producer, uh, Dino, and so he actually l- walked off set like near the end of filming, and so the this, when they came back to do reshoots, like every movie has reshoots, they had to do a, a double, and then he didn't edit his own voice, so his actual voice in the movie is dubbed by a different actor. And so That's crazy. It is. I didn't even realize it, but up until literally last year, nobody knew who actually dubbed his voice. Like, even he didn't know. And so right. it turns out that it was actually Peter Marinker who actually, he was a voice actor on some of the Flash Gordon um, uh, cartoons. And so he actually confirmed it last year that he was the person who did the dubbing. 
That's cool. Pretty interesting. Apparently, Sam Jones might have been kind of hard to work with. He kept getting in fights, apparently. (laughs) Anyways. All right. Let's jump into this. Josh, I know that I've been hogging the mic. What are your thoughts on this movie? (laughs) Well, uh, I should probably hit the synopsis first real quick. Oh, dang. (laughs) (laughs) Just because, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> it's one of these movies where if you just read the basic synopsis, it's there's a bad guy and a good guy has to go clean up the mess. It, there's not a lot going on as far as that kind of a, a description. So anyways, what I'm trying to say is there's a bit of a long-winded description from Wikipedia who we, you know, good old Wikipedia our our third member, you know, wow. every episode. Is this our new thing where I rem- we actually remember where were we when we first saw this, but then I remember forget to that <laughs> to do the synopsis. It could be, it could be we got to have some kind of a, a weird a weird thing that happens every season. I guess so. All right, let's see. So I'm gonna jump in here. This is a pretty thorough breakdown of the movie. So if you haven't seen it, this will help you understand what we're talking about. To relieve his boredom, Emperor Ming the Merciless of the planet Mongo declares that he will play with and destroy Earth by remotely causing natural disasters. On Earth, New York Jets football star Flash Gordon boards a small plane where he meets travel agent Dale Arden. Mid-flight, the cockpit is hit by a meteorite and the pilots are lost. Flash takes control and manages to crash land into a greenhouse owned by Dr. Hans Zarkov. Zarkov believes the disasters are being caused by an extraterrestrial source pushing the moon towards Earth and has secretly constructed a spacecraft that he plans to use to investigate. Zarkov's assistant refuses to go, so Zarkov lures Flash and Dale aboard. The rocket launches, taking them to Mongo, where they are captured by Ming's troops. The trio is brought before Ming, who orders Dale to be prepared for his pleasure. Flash tries to resist, but he is overpowered. Ming orders Zarkov to be reprogrammed and Flash executed. Ming's beautiful daughter, Princess Aura, seduces Ming's surgeon into saving Flash, who she is in love with. As they escape, Flash sees Zarkov being brainwashed by Clytus, the metal-faced head of the secret police. Aura and Flash flee to Arborea, kingdom of Prince Baron. En route, Aura teaches Flash to use a telepathic communicator to contact Dale. He lets her know he is alive. And <laughs> it's it's a pretty. Uh, Pretty goofy and That's awkward part wrote, of the movie. I wrote down. Yeah, <laughs> I have to talk about that. Go ahead. Okay. All right, here we go. Continuing on. He lets her know he is alive. Meanwhile, Aura starts kissing him. Dale is locked in Ming's bedchamber, but encouraged by Flash, she escapes. Clytus sends Zarkov to intercept Dale, who tells him and Clytus that Flash is alive. Zarkov then reveals he, is, he resisted the brainwashing and escapes Mingo City with Dale. They are quickly captured by Prince Voltan's Hawkmen and taken to Sky City. Aura and Flash arrive at Arborea. Aura asks the prince to keep Flash safe. A distrustful Baron, in love with Aura, agrees not to kill Flash, but then forces him to perform a deadly ritual. Baron and Flash take turns sticking their hands into a hollow stump with a giant scorpion-like wood beast inside. When Flash has to take an extra turn, he pretends to be stung as a distraction and escapes. Baron follows, but they are both captured by the Hawkmen. Clytus informs Ming that Gordon's alive and is given authority to find the responsible party. Aura returns and is taken prisoner and tortured by Clytus and General Kala. They force her to confess, and Ming orders her banished to the ice moon Phrygia once his wedding to Dale has taken place. Meanwhile, Flash and Baron are taken to Sky City, where Flash and Dale are briefly reunited. 
Flash is forced to fight Baron to a, in a death match, but Flash instead saves Baron's life, causing Baron to join him. Clytus arrives, and Flash and Baron kill him. Knowing this will bring retribution, Voltan orders the Hawkmen to evacuate, leaving Baron, Flash, Dale, and Zarkov behind. Ming's ship arrives, and he orders Baron, Zarkov, and Dale to be taken aboard. Ming is impressed with Flash and offers him lordship over Earth in exchange for loyalty. Flash refuses, and Ming gives the order to destroy Voltan's kingdom along with Flash. Flash finds a rocket cycle and escapes before Sky City is destroyed. Flash contacts Voltan, who is hiding on uh, Arborea, and they plot an attack on Mingo City. Flash pretends to attack Mingo City alone on his rocket cycle. General Kala dispatches the war rocket Ajax to kill Flash, but the Hawkman ambush and seize the rocket. Meanwhile, Princess Aura overpowers her guard and frees Baron and Zarkov from the execution chamber. Flash and the Hawkman attack Mingo City in Ajax, and Kala activates the defense as Ming's and Dale's wedding begins. Mingo City's lightning field can only be penetrated by flying Ajax into it at a suicidal speed. Flash volunteers to stay at the helm to ensure success and enable the Hawkmen to invade the city. Baron and Zarkov enters, enter the control room and confront Kala, who refuses to cooperate. She attempts to kill Zarkov, but Baron shoots her and kills her. Shoots and kills her. There we go. Baron tells Zarkov to hold the fort while he heads to Sector Alpha 9 to deactivate the lightning field. Zarkov tries, but is unable to deactivate the shield from Kala's control room. Baron fights through Ming's guards and gets to Sector Alpha 9 and deactivates the lightning field before Ajax hits it. Flash flies the rocket ship into the city's wedding hall, and the ship's bow impales Ming. He drags himself off the rocket nose, seriously wounded, and Flash offers to spare his life if he will stop the attack on Earth. Ming refuses and attempts to use his power ring on Flash, but his power falters and nothing happens. He then aims the ring at himself and is seemingly vaporized by its remaining power, seconds before the counter to the destruction of Earth reaches zero. A huge victory celebration ensues. Baron and Aura become the new leaders in Ming's place. Baron names Voltan the leader of their armies. Flash, Dale, and Zarkov discuss returning to Earth. Zarkov says he doesn't know how, but they will, how they will get back, but they'll try. Baron tells them all they're welcome to stay, but Dale says she's a New York City girl and it's now too quiet around Mongo. The final frame shows Ming's ring being picked up by the hand of an unseen person. Ming's evil laugh echoes as the ending credits roll. Following the credits, the text, The End, is shown on the screen before a question mark is appended, which makes it a cliffhanger ending. So, before I forget, I didn't realize The Matrix was inspired by this movie, actually. Really? Yeah. Remember that scene where, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, the main girl, Marley, what's her name? Dale? Dale, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, when she all like s- switches outfits with that, with that one girl and then she's running away with the mm. gun. <laughs> and then, right. She, she she's doing flips and does a full on <laughs> cartwheel in front of this guard and then picks up her gun and shoots him. And yeah. I, it's so pointless, but it was so funny though. Cause it was just like, I love the, the people's heart behind this movie. And so, oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so much effort put into it. Ma- I mean, this is definitely a Deadpool maximum effort oh, <laughs> situation. Yeah. This, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I was really impressed with the special effects in this movie. I thought it was cool because they did a lot of actual large, they built a lot of large sets 
And yeah, I thought it was all, it's yeah. so much practical effects. I loved it. I thought it was great. I liked how weird everybody looked. The, the only thing I thought looked terrible was the snake people. They were just like <laughs> oh, really yeah. bad looking. But right. I mean, for the time and everything, like it's just I, I enjoyed it. I thought that was really cool. Okay. Anyway, I feel like this. I feel like this movie would have been pretty awesome twenty years earlier. If yeah. it came out in nineteen sixty, I think this movie would have been huge because everything was pretty spot on except for the music. I mean, just yeah. using those old school sets and whatnot, and the fact you know with being color, all of that would have been amazing. Because to me, it kind of was like. Uh, the Wizard of Oz in space, as far as all the colorful yeah. sets and costuming. So yeah, I feel like it was just definitely, and even you know what, what some people when they're you know critiquing it, this you know it was pretty straight up based off of the serial in the '30s. Yes. So it has a lot of that vibe going still, which still would have probably worked better in the '60s. Right. Anywho. I think anything after post Star Wars, so especially so close to Star Wars. I watched right. the trailer for this, and it looks really exciting, especially with the theme song playing over the trailer. It's just like, right. oh, this looks like this is going to be like an action-packed movie. There's actually right. not a lot of fighting in this movie. Flash Gordon, he sucks. He's just, <laughs> I know, he doesn't. Fight he's a, just like a, fr- he's just a friendly, genuine dude. Like, oh yeah, he's, he's your all-American hero. I know. He's just, he's just so nice in this right. movie. I love I mean, there's that. really only one scene where he's kind of fighting, you know, at the beginning, really. Oh, I guess the football, I, the, the football scene when he kills Clytus. Actually, that was actually a mm. cool scene because then, like, you see, I love it where he keeps bringing up, like, "Hey, why don't we team up?" He keeps saying right. that, and <laughs> and then he finally's like, "Let's team up and defeat them." And then when Clytus shows up, who actually, I thought Clytus looked really cool. Like, I, I, thought, I did too. I like. He was probably that. one of my favorite costumes out of uh, all of it. I agree, and his voice, Peter Wingard. I thought that was Jeremy oh. Irons at first, but Peter Wingard. Um, his voice was perfect, but um, that whole scene though, yeah, when he like Flash tackles him, I was just like, oh, Flash is like legit gonna kill this guy, and right. it's just funny. Also, like they call it a rocket cycle; it's more like a rocket jet ski, <laughs> right? <I know. laughs> is that a rocket sea doo you're riding there? Sea <laughs> doo. Yeah. <laughs> Once I saw uh, Ted, which they totally like reference this hardcore and stuff mm-hmm. um i was waiting for this scene and so when he got on and i, I was like excited i was like yes there it is right so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was it was pretty awesome though so max von uh Sado, his costume weighed over 70 pounds so he literally dang would be sitting down until they were like real camera and he would stand up and and act for a couple minutes and then he'd have to sit back down i don't know why they did that though like right i know that the girl who plays Jessica inside um, The Witcher, her outfit in the last mo- in the last episode is like made out of rope, so that was like forty pounds. But right. forty pounds is different than seventy pounds. Yeah, so, that's a lot. And he's yeah, that's that's just kind of ridiculous. You think they could have painted um, some lighter materials? But yeah, that's that's like authentic right. gear that he was wearing. <laughs> Very authentic, absolutely. Oh man. Okay, tell me tell me what you thought about this movie. Um man, well I mean that was that was kind of my opening thoughts. Oh, so let's let's start with Queen because that is Okay. I've known about, you know, the Queen soundtrack even before I saw the movie. I mean that you just can't help. There was a uh there's an old Five Iron Frenzy song lyric where he references having the Flash Gordon soundtrack. Oh, okay. And so I probably heard about that first in the what in 2000 or 99 it was a long time ago which by the way uh five iron frenzy their new album literally dropped like two weeks ago yeah it really was good it's pretty good too really good i, I like it 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyways, back to Flash. Back to Flash. So the I, I kind of feel like Queen definitely helps the movie at times, like a lot. Yeah. It and does. then there's other times where they just have just some synthesizer kind of background noise, if you will. It's not even really music. And I feel like it kind of hurts it at that point because mm-hmm. it's a little bit too modern for the time. It's you know, they're kind of going for that carpenter-esque kind of uh ambiance, if you will. But yet because the sets and everything look so 20 even 50 years behind it just i feel like it hurts it at that point where that's where the orchestration the traditional orchestration whenever that kicks in is probably a little more right appropriate there so yeah i'm a little as much as i love the the actual songs that queen wrote for the movie i love those a lot but then there's just other parts where they're just like i said they're just doing some synth kind of stuff and it just doesn't quite do it but for sure their songs are, are amazing and like the big fight at the end with the hawkman yeah, uh, when they're taking over the war rocket Ajax, uh, that you is mean, a dope, huh? You mean when they're trying to? Because apparently, when they're trying, when they're attempting to, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty embarrassing. Apparently, <laughs> it's uh, everybody on Ajax is a crack shot, and they can shoot moving targets. Better Boy, those than- stormtroop, <laughs> those Star Wars stormtroopers could take a lesson from Ming's, <laughs> dude. Ming's, uh, apparently, the, apparently the palace guards are <laughs> inside the Ming's palace are. A little slow on the uptake, but the people in Ajax, though, like, they're crack shots. Man, they're amazing. Yeah, they're dropping those Hawkmen all over the place. Right. But anyways, the song that's playing during that part is awesome. Oh, it's It's, good. Yeah, it's super cool. I think that's, and I think that's where it really kicks off. Like, once he literally rolls up on the the jet ski and he's, like, does the fake out at the end. Yeah. From then on, the movie, to me, is fantastic. Except, excuse me, except... I was disappointed there wasn't a showdown between him and Ming. Like, Ming's just like, uh, like, hit. Yeah. I mean, I get because he's wearing 70 pounds, like, that'd be really hard. They did have a showdown written in the script, but they kept changing the script, like, on the day that they were there. And so they, I was, I was a little disappointed because everything else is so by the numbers with this film. Right. Yeah. And the ending is definitely the most chaotic. What? Right. Kinda, he literally <laughs> kind of the way it wraps up. He crashes the wedding, and then that's the movie. That's just like okay, right? I yeah, didn't... it's it's definitely rough. The rest of it, like you said, is very old school Hollywood. You know, by the numbers. Yes. So, which can make it a little slow at times. Um, which I got to say, that's that's one of my biggest problems with the movie is that I, I kind of had a harder time. I was surprised. I had really enjoyed watching it back with my friends you know back in the day and it was harder to rewatch it not just because i knew what was going to happen but it's there's some really painfully slow parts and yeah. it just kind of drags at time and it's just it's definitely one of those movies where it's a lot of fun with a group because you're laughing at all these different things and pointing out things together and it's right. just like certain um old horror well, even horror movies in general are a lot of times really fun one of the things i love about horror movies is it's such a good group movie situation most of the time yeah uh just you know pointing things out and laughing and trying to you know even if you're being scared or getting scared you know you're kind of i don't know you have the camaraderie that you're you know laughing and pretending not to be scared together but right when you are so it's it's just kind of that same thing but also with old b movies i love watching old b movies with with people too kind of like mystery science theater 3000 oh yeah 
Uh, this movie definitely, I think, because it's strongly based off the 1930s serials and the. Oh, I'll, but real quick, the opening. Okay, I just want to say this. Best, I think the best part of the, the movie actually is the credits. Like whoever edited that opening sequence together with the song from Queen, yeah. and you see like the old cartoons or like the old comic strip. The way yes. it's edited to get together, it's really exciting. Um, it is really, really cool, and I thought the movie was gonna. Be, I didn't. Okay, I went into this movie not knowing it was supposed to be super cheesy. I thought the, like like the filmmakers were trying to make a serious film. I didn't right. realize that they were trying to make it campy, and so it was. It threw me off when the the first thing that was like, oh wait a minute, this might be campy. What like on purpose campy was when Zarkov was just over the top. He was just like. Right. I'm going to save the world. And he's like threatening to shoot the guy. <laughs> he's like, right. And- but like you said, because of the kind of mixed signals directing with the two different crews, basically, or just with the, right. with the Italian actors and crew versus the American actors and crew, uh, or British, there's a lot of British actors too. But anyways, just those mixed signals of, you really couldn't tell, like, is this really supposed to be campy? I mean, I, you kind of right. feel like it is, but then there'd be these moments where, there's some really kind of solid delivery in a serious way of these lines. And, and some of these actors are, you know, really very good actors. I right. mean, you, you, Max Sado is amazing. I actually enjoyed most of the performances in this movie. Just, yes, they're cheesy lines. Yes, they look ridiculous. It's a ridiculous scene and setting, but the way they're delivering their lines and whatnot, it's pretty awesome. I mean, Timothy Dalton, he's a, he's a great actor. I know. Yeah. He's actually like, he's way up there. And so, right. He's seeing him in the movie. That's why I was like, oh, Timothy Dalton's in this movie. They're, it's supposed to be a, more of a serious movie, and it's probably going to be campy now. But no, like, they're nope, they were trying to make it campy back then. So, right. I was just, but it's, but it's mixed because, yeah, you'll go into something where it's serious, and you're like, well, I was kind of just getting in the groove like it's silly. So I feel like, absolutely, and you said this earlier, if they had made it all serious or all funny, like all right. tongue in cheek then I think either one would have made it better than it right. was. Because otherwise, you really have to know what you're getting into, I think, to fully appreciate what it is. Because I can see where, you know, people were kind of let down. Like, it had pretty decent numbers when it first came out, but it, it fell off quick. Right. Like I think it just got around real quick that, oh, I mean, yeah, it's not that great. I would have gone and seen this back in 1980s after watching the trailer. I legitimately got excited after watching the trailer. That's why I was like, man, we should review Flash Gordon. Like, right. I haven't watched that. And because it's just it's a great trailer and it looks exciting, high adventure. This is totally a sci-fi fantasy film. It's not science fiction, and right. I love that. You don't get a lot of those movies uh, that are right. big. But this movie at the time was a big budget movie, and yeah, it's it is it's so crazy. I feel like it's is an absolute like big budget turd. Mm-hmm. Like they they threw yeah. so much money into this yeah. terrible movie. It's crazy. I mean they. I mean. Uh, it's, I know it's conflicting. They made, I mean, on one side, they definitely made the, you know, to some people who are making the movie, they made the movie they wanted to make. Right. Was it worth all that money and effort? You're like, oh, I just don't, I don't see that. But, right. I don't know. It, I mean, it did well in Italy and England. I mean, they, they got it. Well, <laughs> I guess. I'm glad, I'm glad that they enjoyed it. So, yeah. Right. The dialogue. Okay. So the things that made me just bust out loud laughing was Sam Jones, man, is just, his character of Flash Gordon is just like, he's just such a solid person, good, good, good person through and through. And I was like getting Star Trek vibes of like, this is what humans are supposed to to be like. 
But then he'd just say these, like, dumbest lines, and it was hilarious. Because, like, the part where Dale is, like, Ming is, like, messing with her, and he's, like, she thinks, it, like, she thinks that he's seducing her, and she's, like, totally right. excited because she's under the power of the ring. And then she, like, he turns the ring off, and then she looks at Flash, and she's, like, what happened? And Flash is, like, <laughs> I don't know, but it was pretty sensational. <laughs> and I was, like, what? <laughs> I did not expect that line. It was just... <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's two things. First, you're not expecting this, like, bizarre, like, sexual kind of... Right. She's, like, know, miming, moves. making out with this person, and it's like... Right. And you're like, right. I feel really conflicted here. And right. And then he says that line, and you're like, oh, my God. You're like, oh, wow. Crap. Okay. All-American horn dog. <laughs> so, <I know>. like... <laughs> Like this is a dumb and dumber mo- moment here. <laughs> oh yeah, and then the other part, dude, when the uh, when the there he's communicating with the telepathic uh, device or whatever, the communicator, <laughs> and he's talking to Dale. But then the girl in the cockpit starts making moves on him, and he's like, "Dude, oh, she's so hot!" And right? she's like, "Excuse me," and he's like, "Oh, I shouldn't be talking." And <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb because then he's just like, "Hey, you can hear my thoughts over." And I'm like, is this a ham radio? <laughs> he, I has, know. he has a ham radio on the freaking rocket cycle. <laughs> <laughs> right. And just <laughs> So yeah, I mean some of this stuff is absolutely hilarious because it of is. how bizarre it is or just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you're you're definitely right where it's it's kind of conflicting. And I mean, yeah, just 100% I keep coming back to you. This is an amazing group movie. If you, if any of oh, you yeah. haven't seen this movie, um, and you like to watch kind of bad movies, and I and I say that with love in my heart for this right. movie. Oh, we love bad movies. Yeah. Um, please get a group of friends together. You know, have some have some food, some booze, whatever you need, and just it's going to be a good time watching this movie. I totally agree. This is probably honestly, I think this is like the the number one campiest like cult classic movie that we've reviewed so far. I think. Um, I think so. It's yeah. just. It's I mean, like, we Doctor Strange Love is that's, that's a is different a type weird of classic cult, cult classic. Exactly, though. it's still a cult classic and definitely a legit cult classic. But this is like for sure that type of cult classic where it's not a great movie. No, <laughs> and like, there's a lot of love for it. Yeah, Doctor Strange Love <laughs> is like very tongue in cheek, very smartly written, smartly acted. Right. And this movie is not well written, and I can't I can't blame the actors for what they do. Right. Like they right. Well, it's like I said earlier, a lot of the the acting is is good for what they did. Yeah, they I, just weren't you know <laughs> they just weren't given anything good to work with. Oh man, oh yeah. Like the, just, I gotta I gotta drop a few more scenes from this movie. Like the part when Flash Gordon gets he dies, and then um, but they the doctor injected him before uh, before he died. So apparently he's like not dead, but he's sort of dead. And then right. they they show like the entombing room, and you see the tomb, and his name, it says Flash Gordon. Is freaking the font is the same I font know. from the from the poster of the movie, right? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my gosh! And then when the the girl like, is this is this branding for the the I toy know. line that's gonna come out or something? I mean, I'm sure it was because I right. He Man and Masters of the Universe came out, right. and well, all there this was stuff. a there was a toy line. Oh I'm yeah. A, yeah, I'm going to find some pics of it and try to put it on Instagram. But yeah, there's an actual toy line, which, I mean, it looks like the Star Wars type of toys are out at the same time period. Probably worth a lot now, for sure. Anyways, yeah, then the girl, like, brings him, she, the doctor revives him, and the girl kisses him, and he wakes up, and he's like, oh, where am I? And then she's like, 
I wrote it down. I got it right. She goes back from the dead. I've saved you. And then he like flips out of the the out of the, the, the um right the what is it with a the crib where he's sitting in and he's like my god how and he's so <laughs> over the top i know it's like a bruce campbell moment <laughs> oh my gosh it was because she plays it like kind of more and that's the thing we keep coming back to you, the conflicting tones it's like some right. people play it serious and then he says these way over the top lines that come out of nowhere and i was like right. busting up laughing i don't well, know she's a, she's a pretty famous um italian actress you know for the time too i mean so i think she's yeah. pretty respected and they have a lot uh, of I mean, great she, actors in this movie they do i mean and even her lines which a lot of what she was you know given to do which kind of silly and over like we said over sexualized not but, to I mean, slut she did shame it. but she that's her character in the movie she, and did, she, a, has... she did a great job and especially that <laughs> well uh, yeah i mean i'm <laughs> <laughs> Slow clap. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she didn't have a lot to do. What she had, she did well. It's yeah. Again, it's the writing. Like she had, her character was just not well written at all. It yeah. It was not good. Yeah. It's just nobody had a good character in this movie. Even Timothy Dalton, after he gets Flash, saves him, and he's like, he's like, you saved me. I'll follow you. And I was like, yeah, I, I know was the like, turn of heart is so like, it's so fast. Okay. And even Timothy Dalton, <laughs> who freaking Timothy Dalton couldn't save that line. I mean, it's that, right. that bad. Right. And oh man, if you want camp, this is camp. Okay. I gotta, I gotta say this line too. Like another thing, just <laughs> the first, okay. So Timothy Dalton and the, the girl that you were just talking about, I forgot her name, Aurora or whatever, Aura. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, they're playing fast and loose in space, and so she um, is supposed to be his girl, and um, so she's telling him that because she's like she's attracted to Flash Gordon, so she wants to save Flash Gordon. The first scene you see of them together, you get the idea that they're oh maybe they're might supposed to be together, and then the first scene you see them together, she like kisses him really long and hard, and she's like, well she was like wait for me, I'll be back, and his first line to her is. Lying bitch. <laughs> right. I know it's like so harsh. <laughs> I was like, I was like, where did that come from? Like, I know it's like, dang, there's some hate there. I know. I was just like, what the heck? And then later, like, he's like, she shows up and he's like, oh, you can't be so excited. And they like, they live happily ever after. It's just right. bad writing, man. Bad writing. And I. Well, it- Go I got to throw in there too with uh, Brian Blessed, um, the Prince Voltan, the yeah. leader of the Hawkmen. I mean, such a great character. I mean, just larger than life. He kind of reminds me of Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Just oh, this, yeah. You know, <laughs> right. Big, you know, overbearing, over, you know, huge laugh. And uh, he, <laughs> so there's a quote where, or one of the lines he says, Gordon's alive. <laughs> apparently, yeah. it's like one of the most in, in English. Or in British cinema, it's one of the most quoted lines Are you to serious? this day. Yes. <laughs> it might be the most quoted line. And so they <laughs> well, oh, they really liked it over there. That's And that's actually a, a cool thing they do in this movie, though, is since it's based off of 1930s, like, the, you know, the, obviously the comics and the serials. You know, in the serials, like, Flash Gordon has to look like he died 12 times for each chapter. So <laughs> right. he people keep thinking he dies in this movie, like, four times. And they're right. like... He's alive? Oh, he's that's alive? A cool, that's a cool nod to that, yeah. I think that was cool. I, I'm I'm pretty sure they did that on purpose, because I was just like, that's that's actually pretty cool. Because Flash Gordon is like, he's literally just the total average man. Like, the scene when, like, Queen's singing, like, you know, like, 
he can never make a mistake. And I'm just like, right. We're not watching Savior the, same of the movie. universe. <laughs> yeah. we're not watch- <laughs> right. I thought he was going to, oh, I was like, where's like the special effects or where's like the, I don't train any at all, but I'm just good at everything I do. No, he's totally just an average guy who got I stuck know. in a spaceship and he's got a good heart. <laughs> Totally. And then even as like a football player, like you're supposed to be this, you know, hot shot quarterback and then he does more running and, you know, diving into the He's the a freaking linebacker more than I a know, quarterback. Than a quarterback. So it's like But he doesn't fight mixed... he doesn't fight until Zarkov throws him that like t- sort of like football and he's like, Oh, I know what to do here and then Right. Like starts... And then it's and then it looks like rugby at that I... point. Oh man, that's probably why English people like it. They're like, Oh, rugby right here. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's it's bad, but in a in the best of ways. Yeah, I agree though. Yes. Like Voltan, at first I was really annoyed by him, but I totally grew to. He's I think well, one of the best. I think he's the best hero in the movie, and then Clytus yes. Clytus is I think is the best villain in the movie. And oh yeah, he's he's super awesome. But that being said, you know Max von Sydow, he's just awesome. Like he just oh yeah, he does a great job. So typical classic villain but he nails it and then but really um what's his face the guy who plays you know clytus yeah. he's the perfect peter wingate yeah wingate, wingate perfect side villain the perfect henchman such to you know the main wingard villain. So, peter wingard yeah such a snaky yeah. type of character yeah very very good though he was like totally reminded me of like worm tongue and then hiss from robin hood <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like but like super dark and maniacal and oh yeah um, I just oh the thing I thought was cool too was like was it Princess Aura like she's the daughter of Ming and so when they capture her and they're like uh, Clytus is like I know who the traitor is but um, will you give me permission to do whatever I, I need to do to her to get the information to, to the person to get the information and Ming's like go and so then like when Clytus when they're torturing her and then Clytus is like oh I'll have you'll you want to talk to your your father sure and then Ming right. shows up and then he's totally just like cold i thought he was they were gonna have yeah. a little bit of like oh that's my daughter but you know you betrayed nope. me nope not at all he's like he's like he's like what's for lunch like cold yeah and yeah max von Sydow though he does a good job he's unrecognizable in this movie and that's a that's a compliment yeah like that's a compliment to the makeup team as well that yeah that's true that's true all right we're running a little long here uh we should probably get in our final thoughts anything else you want to say before we roll into our final verdicts uh I don't know, man. There's just there are a lot of good lines in this that are very quotable from this movie. Uh, yeah, it it's fun. Definitely right. go check it out. Well, you look great. I mean it. It's the eye makeup. I'll have to remember it when I wake up. Right. <laughs> so, so random. <laughs> and then like the little the little floating droid that's kind of throughout the movie. It shows up and he's Flash is about to smash it or kill it, and I think it's Dale stops him. Right. And then he he rolls up and says, good job, Flash. You've saved Earth. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, okay. That's, oh, yeah. Wow. And then, like, Prince Baron at the one part, he, like, rolls into the, or he, like, he's starting to shoot at some people. And the way that they just, these space people, he just rolls in there. He's like, freeze. And right. he's using, like, Earth lingo. Right. <laughs> and it, yeah. It's bad. So many mixed dialogue, mixed signals yeah it's uh it is a hot dumpster fire oh yeah but it's it's yeah it's worth watching oh okay yeah. uh one Let's last thing that i wanted to say before is actually in the original in the comics flash was a polo player but that's uh, that was a way less popular sport by 1980 so they changed him to be a football player 
So that's probably probably a good move. I it, it didn't really work in the movie, but you know, <laughs> I would have probably enjoyed it better if he was a polo player. <laughs> At least to be riding horses. Anyways, all right. So let's go into final verdicts then. Do you think that it was it successful, and what, did it have an impact when it was released? Uh, so my my initial thought was just just you know you watch the movie, and then I knew loosely that it didn't do well so i kind of, i gave it a d but at the same time it did all right for a few weeks and you know there there was some decent reviews even though it fell off pretty quick so i don't know man i'm, I'm either a d plus or a c minus and c minus might be a little too generous but it it kind of quickly became sort of a cult classic like i think once it made it to vhs it kind of mm-hmm. found its audience a little better maybe but I don't know. It's it's somewhere in there. D plus, C minus, I think. Yeah. I feel like this is almost a reverse John Carter situation where John Carter was a better movie than the trailers led to believe. Um, and that movie bombed. And I feel like Flash Gordon, the trailer was better than the actual movie. And the movie right. bombed. So I you, think... mean, you mean DC made this movie? I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it. <laughs> Burn. Ooh, it could have hit that billion dollar mark, DC. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess Aquaman did, but that's because everybody likes Jason Momoa. Anyways, right. so I, I'm going to give it a... Yeah, I'm going to give it a... Shoot. Honestly, I'm going to give it an F for did it hit it when it uh, was coming straight out because they didn't do it. It was supposed to be the next Star Wars. It right. lost money on this. They didn't know what they were doing. It, it was con- like conflicted with if they were going to be. I mean, the fact that they didn't have an ending for the movie and just the way they ended it is like now it's iconic. But at that time, it was like I could I would be so mad if I was a fan of Flash Gordon and I watched that movie back in the day. Yeah. So that would have been that would have been tough. Absolutely. Um, how relevant is it today? So, based on its you know cult status, uh, I don't know. I landed on a C. I don't know that it's that big, but that's just kind of the vibe I was getting. Uh, right. I don't know. No, I wasn't I, really sure where to peg it. I give in it its, a, in its status now. I give it a C as well because like I don't know a lot of people that have actually seen this movie, but the people that have seen this movie most of the time are like diehard fans of this movie. Right. And so it's definitely cult classic, but in the large spectrum, is it like like as influential as Star Wars still is and stuff? Yeah, I, I give it a, a C. That's a good idea. Okay, personal enjoyment. Uh, Well, like I said earlier, I really enjoyed this movie, and I have a lot of good memories of watching it with a group. Yeah. And it was a little bit harder by myself. So unfortunately, I, I gave it a C- minus for watching it by myself but yet if i would have watched it with you know even if you and i watched it together live i it would have gone up i would have given it a you know a b at that point but by Mm -hmm. myself i gave it a c man we're we're really in sync on this movie i was so conflicted with it i wanted to love this movie so much right and i just couldn't because it's just like you said it's so slow in different parts this um and it it couldn't decide if it wanted to be serious or or just dedicate itself to campy so yeah, I give it a C as well. It's it's a great party film, but me watching it personally right. again by myself or whatever, I I don't know if I'd watch it again. But if it was yeah, if I was hanging out with the but you at, knew at if house, a group was watching it, you'd meet you absolutely yeah. Let's go watch it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I had so much fun. Like yeah, I understand. I totally get why some people love this movie. Like I totally get it. This movie right. is is a prime cult classic. So I think we already know the answer to this question. But is it a midnight watch? <laughs> 
Yeah, I can't. I can't say that it is. It's a no for me. Yeah, it's a it's a no for me either. Unfortunately, I literally went in watching this movie expecting it to be like this is a new midnight watch for me, and I was, uh, it, yeah, Gordon is 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 uh, dead on sight. He's not alive. <laughs> Gordon's alive. He's not. <laughs> oh, by the way. Speaking of, you said ray guns at the beginning. Was there actually? Oh yeah, duh. No, there's ray guns all over the place. They're probably that's, laser guns. I don't know. I yeah, I like that's just. I was thinking super old timey. Like in the 30s, they probably called them ray guns. Like I'm atomic sure ray guns them. or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure that they didn't sense. call them laser guns. I'm sure after Star Wars though, then they were like, yeah, lasers. Oh, by the way, I will say this though, the defenses of that of the castle at the end, they're like. Hey, we should shoot down that person. <laughs> There's yeah. like lasers going everywhere. Yeah. You're like, is this a Skrillex concert? It was just like, like, yeah. Anyway, Flash Gordon is a heck of a pilot, apparently. Um, yeah, he is. Because, For a guy that didn't quite have his pilot's license. I mean, there's the there's the natural skill right there. Natural skill, absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you got a heart of gold and natural skill, you're gonna stay alive in Mongo. <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's about it for tonight. If you uh, if you wanted to check out this movie, I had to rent this movie. What about you? I got it from uh, Amazon Prime for four bucks. Same here. Yeah. Uh, I, I you can rent it pretty much. I think anywhere. Um, I tried to find it where it was like included, but apparently it wasn't. Anyways, special thanks to our sound producer Jake Colvin. If you guys had as much fun as we did on this episode, we'd love it if you shared it with your family, friends, and anyone you think would like it. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Uh, we're found on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and many other platforms. Also, we'd love it if you visit our Instagram or Facebook page and join the conversation on what is your midnight watch. You can directly reach us at the Midnight Watch Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, everyone, you have a fantastic week. And as always, let's team up and keep up the watch. <laughs>